You're listening to The Gamer Podcast. I'm Eric from the Gamer.com editing team, and today we're talking about the Sony PlayStation Showcase, Tales of Arise, Life is Strange, True Colors, WarioWare, Get It Together, The Artful Escape, and Lost in Random. Let's go! Welcome to the show. We are here with the editing staff of thegamer.com. We just finished watching the PlayStation Showcase. 17 trailers shown, not all of them new games, but we're going to run through the list, starting with uh, a not a trailer, actually. Before we got to see any games, we had a extended PlayStation ad, live action, chess game, city battle yeah, I was confused. What a waste! Of I was two pretty minutes. confused by that whole thing. It, I mean, it was it was visually spectacular, but yeah, opening with an ad for your own thing that people are watching is yeah. a move. It's a pretty ballsy move putting something that ridiculous at the very start of showcase because it, yeah, it, people are just likely to be like, "What am I watching? Oh, I have the wrong thing." Like you know, <laughs> yeah. Especially when the next announcement is <laughs> Knights of the Old Republic, it's like, well, you could have opened with that and like you know would have like taken the world by storm mm. instead of what parkour chess. I'd play. <laughs> yeah, knights wasn't even next. Like they did knights and they did um, the chess thing. Then they were like. Do you remember when Ratchet and Clank came out a few months ago? Right. That was us. <laughs> Here's the two PlayStation exclusives that have come out this year. Yeah. Two of them. Yeah, so we saw this live action ad that was uh, imaginative, but kind of pointless in this context. Yeah. Then we saw uh, Jim Ryan's beautiful mug, and we saw a montage of both PlayStation games that have come out this year, Returnal and Ratchet. And then we got into the game. So the first thing was a, I don't know, four-second trailer for Knights of the Old Republic remake. Cool day. Um, this something we, that's been rumored for a long time. This is our first confirmation. It's coming from Asper. Aspire. Which, I, as far as I know, is a studio that's done a lot of, like, Star Wars ports and, yeah. like, Stubbs the Zombie, and that's pretty much it. They did Stubbs the Zombie? Oh. Yes. Okay. I like that. They they have done quite a lot of ports though, yeah. I think they might have like done maybe some Star Wars mobile stuff, but definitely ports. And yeah. that's why like that rumor didn't have any legitimacy attached to it for so long was because yeah, uh, Lucasfilm aren't going to give this studio who traditionally do ports the license to Knights of the Old Republic of all things. Like you know, I mean, any studio on the planet would jump at the opportunity to remake that game. Um, right. but yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely wasn't expecting to see that finally announced at a state of play. Or that it's going to be a timed exclusive for PS5. That's pretty weird. From the details yeah. coming out after the show, it seems, as you mentioned, like the studio seems somewhat inexperienced to take on a project of this magnitude, but it seems they're rolling in some of the classic team who worked on the original to either guide them or ensure the remake is remaining faithful, I suppose. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, a lot of people are going to love it, aren't they? And the fact that there's the framework there helps a lot. People will give it the benefit of the doubt, I think. Um, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are, um, very excited for that. They didn't show much. They didn't announce a date either. Um, but there was a lot of stuff we saw today that had no release date. So, um, after that was a, I think a new reveal. I don't think we've seen this one before, but this was project Eve. Um, and when it started, we were all speculating that it was a lot of different games because it looks really familiar, right? Mm. 
Yeah, like as you, I think you said it could be Pragmata from Capcom. It, it it also had a lot of almost ingredients from stuff like Nier or Bayonetta. Like, but it, it was it feels like like a unique mishmash of all of those and like its own new adventure. I suppose like this is mm-hmm. probably one of the things of the show that grabbed me the most. But that's probably because I'm a giant weeb. I think I said this at the time. It's one of those games that I think a lot of people are watching the showcase. Are they? Yeah, the showcase and would have been. Well, this isn't one of those games with guns that I love so much Johnny, next. Johnny Gamer? But yeah, what is it? <laughs> I just don't think this one's going to stay. We saw so much and looked so cool. Yeah. But I am worried that it went really heavily on the weirdness of it with not giving us any idea of what it's about beyond it's kind of like all these games that a lot of you haven't played. I always worry about games like that. Same reason I worry about Deathloop. I just don't think enough people will support it. Even seeing the first few moments of that trailer, like it, it very much feels like the audience that will gravitate towards that are the hardcore who love stuff like Bayonetta, Devil May Cry, mm-hmm. or some of Capcom's more niche games. It had that vibe. Yeah. It's not going to be something that resonates with the audience who's going to pick up Spider-Man or God of War. But but at the same time, it's cool to see a game like that receive such a significant slot of a presentation like yeah. this, especially yeah. when we've when we've been fearing when we've been fearing that PlayStation has been leaning towards Western blockbusters a lot more, they they were willing to go, here's a cool like Eastern property that you've never seen before. I respect it, and I think it looks good, but it did nothing for me. Like I was watching that, and I was just bored. I didn't find, besides the enemy designs, which were pretty cool, I didn't see anything about it that felt distinct. Uh, that's just me being pessimistic. But they changed clothes, George. That's in everything. My my main thing about it was that I. I felt that like conceptually, it almost came across as like discount near. We said that, yeah. It the, the, felt neary. The, the, the whole word. the whole concept of the uh, the gold bangle around her arm, like you know, being sentient and sort of like you know, joking and wrong game, Kian. Yeah. That's wrong the game. wrong game. Oh, you're such a fake gamer. <laughs> <laughs> what are we not talking about, Project Eve? No, that's all. Oh, that's for spoken. Oh, you're it? talking about for spoken. The, yeah, the token bangle is for spoken. Oh, Kian, log uh, off. That's all right. Here. That's all right, Kian. We'll get there. We'll get there. But this one was much more sci-fi, outer space. A lot of like mutant, alien, very films, anime. Tentacle it did monsters. look more neary though. There was more like urban yeah. environments. This one is more neary, I think. Yeah. Maybe that's why I'm confused. This shows me that it was not distinct. Well, maybe it says more about Keen than it does about <laughs> the game. But... Yeah. Sorry, Keen. I tried to stick up to you there. <laughs> Listen, I've had half a beer. I've <laughs> had right, half a well... beer, okay? so <laughs> He's half cut. Like, leave him alone. <laughs> There's no way that Keen is half cut off half a beer. I'm going to write about this game tomorrow. I need to I need to fight my corner. Today? No, it's today. Because this it's currently Friday. It is Friday, Oh, it is. Yes, yeah. today. I've ruined the illusion. <laughs> Uh, has anyone heard of Shift Up, the studio behind this one? No. No, no I was no. curious about that at the time when that logo came up. It's always interesting to see studios that you haven't heard of get big spots yeah. in this, I think. Yeah. Oh, it's Korean. Okay. Uh. Uh, after that was Tiny Tina's Wonderland from Gearbox. Nice. Next. Spinoff of Borderlands. George says oh, it looks God. good. Oh, Borderlands. I've played it before. I've specifically played this before. So it was a DLC for two. I... I've played it. I think it looks fun. Man. I think it looks fun. It's it, you know, it's Borderlands. It's going to be stupid. It's going to be, it's going to be Borderlands. But I don't know. I was more interested in that than the uninspired near Bayonetta thingy. But maybe I'm Johnny Gamer in this case. Yeah, one hundred percent. I don't want <laughs> yeah. you want to play more Borderlands. One hundred percent Johnny Gamer. 
this is jumping ahead a little bit, but Forspoken is written by Amy Hennig. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Okay. Well, Amy that, Hennig that is our and next Gary Witter, who did Rogue One. Okay, cool. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Sorry. If you like Borderlands, we res- we respect you. I don't. <laughs> I don't either. But we love you. We respect you. We just don't understand you. This, this hurts. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. like Borderlands too. Okay, I just I, I don't need a fourth one. Yeah. I don't love or respect anyone who wants to play that tiny thing again. <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> Say what you mean, Keith. Sounds like a headline. <laughs> Uh, okay, so then Square Enix and Luminous Productions gave us a new look at Forspoken, which Keem thinks looks just like Project Eve. Uh, but yeah. this was the one with the girl with the rings on her hand, and it has really cool mobility, swinging around yeah. uh, with your grappling hooks and stuff like that. Um, I thought this one looked cool. I thought this one looked cooler than Project yeah, Eve. Yeah, definitely. It's Grimoire voice, except instead of being a cool ancient book, it's like a stupid like bangle on your arm. Like, it, it, it's the same kind of like, you know, that, that sort of like very sort of witty, sardonic humor. And, you know, the, this inanimate object that grants you powers. And it, it, it's so similar, but also just way less intriguing. For me, anyway, I couldn't. Yeah, that, that is very similar to, yeah. to Nia. The, uh, the, the bangle that but the movement the mm-hmm. definitely. But she's from the modern day and she goes to the portal. And, yeah. you know, that kind of feels different. I think the vibe they're giving the characters in the setting is something we haven't seen in an RPG before, from Square Enix mm. anyway, because when this was first announced, there was a lot of talk about it coming from some of the people who did Final Fantasy fifteen, and every, everyone kind yeah. of expected it to be like another Pretty Boy JRPG, which is fine. Like, those are great. But when I... Yeah... But when I when we saw like the protagonist and like what it was doing, I was like, okay, like this game is probably a lot more different than I expected. Like it, it feels a bit refreshing, even as Avkian said, it it takes on some like character archetypes that yeah. other games might have already done. But better. that movement, that is that is literally all I want. Like I literally just want to jump in and just move around. It's already hooked me. From that. Yeah, like that looks gorgeous. Uh, this is your classic girl falls through a portal into a fantasy world and has a talking bracelet trope. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah we'll see. Spring 2022, and I should have said that Tiny Tina was March uh, 25th of next year. After that was Rainbow Six Extraction. <laughs> Rainbow Six Quarantine. Sorry. Does anybody on planet Earth care about this game? <laughs> I, I'm genuinely curious. Is there one person in existence right now who cares about Eric. this game? Most um, negative video game podcast <laughs> ever. I'll, I'll make a case for it. I'll, I'll make very positive. I'll, I'll make a case for it. Uh, I love co-op shooters. Left 4 Dead, Alien, I was one of the highest scored reviews, which is... That's good. I've been playing that. Yeah, it's good. It's strong. Um, I really like a game called GTFO, which is a very like slow tactical... GTFO is good. GTFO yeah. is good. This, has, this gives me GTFO vibes. Um, I know it's not going to be as uh, brutally punishing and and as strategic as GTFO, but if it's somewhere in between that and Left 4 Dead, I think it could be fun. Uh, Most games are fun when you play them with your friends, even if they're bad games. So I I will at least give this one a shot uh, in January. I just, the the thing is with this, it spoke to, at this point in the showcase, I was like, oh man, okay, I think this is going to be a running theme, is that there was so much time wasted on stuff we've either seen which is uninteresting things like Rainbow Six. I know I'm, I'm sound like a massive negative douche, but that's just how I felt yeah. when this came on. I was like, I was like, well, I mean, the next, 
the next seven games we talk about are all games we've we already yeah. know about. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's like it's a forty minute advert for things that are like I don't know. I, I'm happy to see more information yeah. Yeah. In games. That like I seeing wanna, more from Forspoken. Like, like we or like we got a date for that and stuff. Like, like I know they're coming up. Like Spider Man and Wolverine were cool, but we whoa, saw like twenty three seconds between both of them. Like they could have done a short way. Yeah. It was just, he has a title. Yeah, Spider Man and God of War were the most predictable things going in. Like we knew we were going to see. We'll, that. we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I, I want to hype at that point. Yeah. Okay, so so we had uh, Alan Wake remastered uh, from Remedy. This one was just announced this yeah, week. Yeah, that's what I mean. This again, this um, is another one of like, why is this here? That was a weird announcement to do this. Week. I think for it, they they tried to make a very big case for it finally coming to PlayStation, and I imagine they're trying to leverage some of the, I suppose, name recognition that Remedy got from Control. Like, yeah. oh, it's by these guys. Let's bring this onto PlayStation for the first time. Alan Wake's awesome. Uh, but yeah. I, I appreciate this remaster because a lot of people have not played this game. Yeah, really good. Game. I have played it. I played this, it is, this is a hidden gem for sure. Mm. Um, that is October fifth, so just very soon, quite a few weeks away. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, then oh, that wow, we got a trailer for GTA Five <sighs> on PS Five. Don't get me started. I, I have literally nothing to say about this. No, it didn't. I switched off. I didn't Indie Darling. Grand Theft Auto. Sure. More Grand Theft Auto. That's coming well, November 11. Can I, can, I just take, can I take a minute to You're just whinge? Yeah. I'm going to keep whinging, I guess. But why... You can take 40 seconds. You've complained all night about like, wasted minutes for things that we don't need yet. So no, you It can't. doesn't look any different. Wait, is GTA that soon? Is it it's March. They delayed it. It's just the poor. Uh, I'm so sorry. This... This is November next year. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, it's March. It's right? March, yeah. Okay, then the list I'm looking at is wrong. Sorry. The distinctions between that, like that remake and the original game, are so minimal. There are GTA mods that look 10 times better Thank than you. that. That's exactly what I was thinking. And I still charge you full price for uh, it. People just will buy it. Me. You'd think that they'd just hire the modders. I mean, no, they're two PC suing me. Yeah, they don't like modders at all. Good point. Yeah, they hate modders so much that they won't give them a job, and they'll take down their mods. They should have announced the GTA trilogy <laughs> there. That would have been cool if they'd just gone. Yeah, you're right. The you're right yeah, that's a good point. Like, why GTA Five again? Yeah, totally. I suppose that wouldn't push the PS Five, would it? Like, those are going to be available that's everywhere. That's true. All right, a little bit of a pick me up. Ghostwire Tokyo gameplay footage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that looks this incredible. Yeah, so this, this was rad. supposed to come out this year. It got delayed. It does not have a date, and they did not give us a date. But yeah, it's supposed to be out around now yeah. as well. That's slightly worrying. That it should be out now, and we don't know when it's going to be out. Right. Um, but we saw a lot of uh, gameplay this time. Uh, a lot of cool powers, mm -hmm. kind of dishonored vibes with the teleporting around and just the, the just the idea of like first person superpower stuff. Okay. Um, but it's just got such a cool vibe. I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. Highly anticipated. That was one of my most anticipated games of this year prior to the delay. And now, yeah. even though we don't have a, a date, I'm not really worried because I'd rather it just come out when it's ready, you know? Because this, uh, this looks like it's going to be genuinely yeah. special. Yeah. yeah. I, I had a look and it's coming in spring, but there's no date yet. Spring next year. Spring's not yeah. too bad. But yeah, this looks... it. it it seems like a fairly big departure from the gameplay stuff we saw with the Evil Within, like both in terms of gameplay mechanics and 
the sort of horror it's going for. Like it's, yeah. it's doing a lot of traditional Japanese folklore and delving into that side of things in a modern Tokyo setting, which is like a really fascinating combination. It's a cool idea. It's a really cool idea. Yeah, high hopes for that one. Me mm. too. Uh, then we got a new trailer for Marvel's Guardian of the Galaxies from Eidos. Uh, this is coming really soon, October 26th. Looks great, yeah. I don't really know where they showed that. This looks really cool. Like, it, there wasn't a whole lot of substance to it. I'm not really sure why they showed it. It was that. more like a launch trailer. You know what? I wasn't even positive it was a new trailer. Yeah. I thought it was. I didn't, I didn't think we'd seen some of those okay. things that we yeah. saw. Some of the sentences. Yeah, there's, there's quite a lot. If you if you dive into it, there's quite a lot new. Like, they showed off a lot more of the space dog that I forget the name of. Is it Cosmo? No, maybe. Yeah. But. It is Cosmo, yeah. yeah. It looks great. Like, I, I'm really there excited for that. Space Llama? Oh, yeah. I'm really excited for that. I wish there were different Guardians. I understand why they're not. I understand that everyone knows the Marvel Guardians, like the MCU Guardians. Mm. And that, that's what they're cashing in on, because no one read the comics. But it just would be nice to have, like, some of the really interesting characters in there that, even if you have to have Star-Lord and, and Groot and Rocket to kind of be like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I know them. It'd be nice to have different Yeah, characters. I was saying earlier, Nova would have been a really cool yeah, character. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Okay, excellent. next. The need to know the MCU. Next was Vampire the Masquerade Blood Hunt, which I believe is already out. It's in uh, pre release, so Alpha or Beta, that's the one I have things. Alpha, Beta. Okay. Beta. This, is the, uh, this is the Battle Royale third person Vampire Masquerade game. I played a bit of it. Stacey, you did a preview, I think. I did the Alpha preview, so it looked really rubbish when I played okay. it, but this like, it was meant to. Um, but the gameplay was all there. It's the the fire you can climb really high and there's no fall damage and it's like loads of verticality is really mm-hmm. cool. Um, like I played it with one of the developers during the preview and like he took me up one of the cranes and was like, oh, from this point you can like see this area and this area and this area. So it's a really like, prestige spot to be in. Um, and then when we're done, we just jumped off and started running around in, in Prague. That was cool. But then you were a vampire, and it was like, oh, I found a shotgun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a vampire, though. So, don't we need one? I, I nearly feel bad for the Blood Hunt devs because I don't think they anticipated launching around the same time as Naraka Blade Point, which looks like a similar kind of like melee based BR, and every, except it looks better in pretty much every single way. And it, it's, it's got really a. popular, too. Yeah, it's already got a huge yeah. following on PC. So. I'd say that like that has had a massive impact on how Blood Hunt is set to perform, but you know maybe it could still do well. But you can't really plan for those things. Like you've got this relatively niche idea, like and yeah. the, like a melee based, like you know, kind of build based BR to kind of capitalize on that genre boom without going into FPS. And then all of a sudden, this Narica Blade Point comes out of nowhere and just explodes on Steam. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, the first Underworld movie, it must have been, I don't know, 2001, 2002, I think, um, a studio called, I just had to look this up, Black Widow Games, made a Half-Life mod called Underworld Bloodline, which was like a Counter-Strike style vampires versus werewolves uh, online Half-Life mod. And I have been looking for that game like somebody to make a legitimate version of that game for 20 years. This has some of that, but 
this is my call. Please remake Underworld Bloodline. I'm guessing nobody here has any idea what the fuck I'm talking no. about. <laughs> I, know, I know Underworld. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, yeah. If you want to play an online competitive vampire game, this is uh, this is it. I didn't think it was that great. Uh, then we got a Deathloop trailer. Deathloop comes out in like four days now, I think. Next um, week. Everybody in chat was uh, spamming Z's because we've seen this in five different PlayStation presentations. I guess that's what I was just about to whinge about. So maybe I'll maybe I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I want this game to succeed, so I'm not at all uh, butthurt that they keep advertising but, it. Yeah, and I think it really needs it. Like, it, like uh, it, it's technically a big PS5 exclusive. Like mm-hmm. until that runs out, so it does make sense for them to show a story trailer in a show like this because there's going to be a lot of people who might not have heard of Deathloop or might not have been interested who might see this and make a split second decision of picking it up. Like as you said, it probably needs that momentum. Mm. Also, that that trailer was pretty good. Like, it, I think it's nearly weird that they didn't show that specific one earlier instead of some of the other ones. Yeah, because yeah. Mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not necessarily the most commercially viable game. But if they had started off their sort of marketing campaign with stuff like that, I think it probably could have attracted more of an audience. Yeah, whereas that you so much. Yeah, like showing that in the middle of a forty-minute showcase, like three or four days prior to launch, is not going to have too much of a big impact. Like. Mm. Right, and it's already had its own state of play presentation this summer. Mm. So yeah, maybe I yeah. mean, just reminding people that it's the next game. I guess um, we're going to talk about Deathloop a lot next week on the next show. Mm. So, um, but you know yeah. what? Maybe they could have gave uh, Deathloop the intro slot instead of Parkour Chess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> live action bullshit. Boy, I bet that was expensive too. Yeah, it looked expensive. I bet that was so expensive. It had helicopters <laughs> and shit. Okay. Uh, the next one was a Radiohead video game called Kid Amnesia Exhibition. It's not a game, I don't think, because okay. this like Kid Amnesia thing's been around for a long time. It's essentially there's this theory that like you know Kid A and Amnesiac were originally like you know supposed to be a double album, which isn't true because they sound completely different to one another. But this this was actually announced prior to tonight. This was uh, last week. They said that Radiohead tweeted something really cryptic about this Kid Amnesia, but it's been around before. Um, okay, I think it's just going to be like sort of an audio visual exhibition, sort of like an artistic thing. It's probably going to be incredibly wanky, and that's coming from someone with a Radiohead tattoo. I like. I think it is going to be so up its own hole. But yeah. I'll still watch it. It's um, just it's gonna be an interactive live concert thing, like like a Fortnite thing, or like what League of Legends just did yesterday, right? Be cool if it was in VR. Yeah. All right. Good. Uh, the next one was Tichia, which definitely yeah, caught my attention. Good. Oh yeah. Beg your pardon. I, I think that's how you say it. They didn't say it in the trailer. I thought it was Chia. Was uh, this the the cute one? From... The cute yes. animal one. Yeah, this look lovely. I probably would have just called it. It's Chia. like with a sound, isn't it? Like clink it. It'll be like with a sound, like clink it, if it's in new, new color right. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good point. Yeah, fair enough. Just a guess. Yeah. I'm just. Okay, so this was <laughs> this was like a open world third person game. You play this kid that can jump into animals, become an- different animals, and also has like the Breath of the Wild 
glide parachute thing. Mm. Yes, of course it does. It's a video game. I it's a video game that's come out <laughs> after Breath of the Wild. Wild. It was a uh, it was an extremely video game ass video game, but I thought it looked pretty charming. Yeah, changing to different animals. Is what? Just copying Dragon Age Origins? Then is it? <laughs> Every game. <laughs> I I did think it looked like. We didn't really catch a big picture about what the game is about, like in terms right. of like story and like gameplay in a sense beyond jumping into animals. But there was some stuff in the trailer contra- contrasting like the natural world of like one being done in by industrialism and stuff. So it very much seems like it's doing that sort of thing, which is kind of cool, especially if you focus on like jumping into animals and being a part of nature. I imagine it doesn't let you turn into a massive fuck off golem. Because it's not as good as Dragon Age Origins. <laughs> uh, yeah, the full title is Techia or Techia or whatever, uh, creating and game inspired by New Caledonia. Was that actually the title? Uh, that that's like the subtitle. Yeah, um, there's a whole PlayStation blog about it. I'll have to read it later. But yeah, I need to have a look. Yeah, there's a. I got a lot of questions. It, it looks. It it's intriguing. Mm. To say the least. Okay. Um, after that, Uncharted 4, Uncharted Lost Legacy, Double Pack, PS5, PC Edition. Cool. <laughs> wait, wait. It has a name. It has a name. One second. Does it? Le- Uncharted Legacy of Thieves Collection. Legacy coming of Thieves er- Collection. Coming yeah. early 2022. Yeah. I uh, hadn't heard any rumblings about this one, but I think that's cool. Uncharted 4 is still an outrageous looking video game. It's still yeah. like you just can't believe a video game looks like this when you play it. And uh, on PC with like a 3080? <laughs> I think it's like put ray tracing on that. Oh, baby. I'm just, those th- those are two Jeez. fantastic games. And I don't yeah. think Log- Lost Legacy gets quite enough love. So it'd be cool to see that like repackaged into a new game. Yeah. I mean, just more games on PC. Do it. Yeah. Lovely. Okay. Now we get, we got the big, the big hitters. Nat big free. boys. Dun, dun, Here we dun. go. This is when things popped off. Uh, Insomniac Games, Marvel's Wolverine. Woo! Who saw that shit coming? Not me. This came out of yeah, nowhere. I did not see this coming. It's very early in development, so they got had to get it out there before it got leaked. But yeah, Insomniac is not only on Spider-Man, but it's also on Wolverine. The trailer showed nothing. It was a bar. Uh, it was post-bar fight. And you see the Wolverine fist, and you see the claws pop out, and that's That's it. what we need, baby. That's what we need. I thought it was because it, as, as soon as you saw it was Insomniac, right? You think, obviously, Spider-Man. And then when you see the distinct lack of Spider-Man there, and also the scenario, like, someone is blatantly, like, drinking at a bar, you're like, this isn't very Spider-Man. So I was like, it's probably a different IP. But I was thinking, like, Punisher or something, do you know? Yeah. Um, oh, that'd be so good. And then and then you just see the, the adamantine... Uh, claws come out and i like i actually said oh my god i don't really care about superheroes that much i audibly went oh my fucking god because i was like yeah. this <laughs> this is like literally like insomniac with wolverine that is a match made in heaven i don't care if it doesn't come out for five years the X-Men origins wolverine game was incredible it needs to be like that x-men's origins wolverine is a very good video game you could cut someone's head off with a helicopter. You could like, pull them out of their own helicopter and cut the head off. That's pretty wild. <laughs> It'll be a long time before this comes out, and honestly, if it if it's years from now, we'll likely have a Wolverine movie by then. 
if not just like yeah, an X-Men probably. movie and a new Wolverine. Yeah. So what's he called? It'll be Elton John fella, it'll be him. What's oh, Karen Edgerton. Yeah, it'll be him. All right. It'll be like a Wolverine musical or No, he's Kingsman, uh, the main one. Kingsman, right. yeah, he's Kingsman. He'd be a good Wolverine. He's Robin Hood. And he's small, which will really be. <laughs> All right, yeah. you could convince me. I don't mean the actual Elton John, I mean the fellow who played yeah, Elton John. Yeah, in Rocket Man. Right. Yes. I could be convinced. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not too much to say about it, but... Well, I'm done convincing it, so if you're not convinced now, you won't be. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. It's my pitch. It's finished. In a, this came completely out of left field, which yeah, kind of what I wasn't expecting, but... As you said, like this is probably going to come after Spider Man Two. It's probably you're looking at like 2024. Mm. Like this is a long way away, but right. at the same time, exciting. Yeah, we could all be dead by then. I hope that it is not w- Wolverine in Spider Man Engine Spider Man game. Personally, that's what I'm fearing. Like it could just use Arkham Combat, and I, I kind of hope it's bloody and a bit more visceral, like or weighty. I, I don't want an open world Wolverine game. Like, what's he going to do? Like, run on all oh, fours no. to get around? Like, I'd like this to be like a relatively linear, like, narrative yeah. action game. Yes. Nah, make it's it like Incredible Hulk game. Ultimate yeah. Destruction. Make him, like, run up, make him run up walls. What's he going to do? Throw cards? So... <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> could do that. I want, I want this to be. Well, Logan was just the last of us, the movie. But, like, I don't know. Make. I'd like yeah. a Logan esque interpretation of wolverine in a game i think that would be quite good because he, he's still like mm. he's still quite funny and and like could mess you up like if you messed with him but there's there's, mm. there's like layers there in terms of like emotional character development that spider-man has already gone into with both the base game and mars morales so they can carry that formula over to wolverine and not replicate it but almost like take it in a new direction like, that would be more than enough for me I actually think because, you know, with these sort of, with Sony, obviously, with PlayStation Studios having a lot of, like, you know, legacy studios under its umbrella, a lot of the time it would be relatively common to share assets or, like, you know, to get advice from a developer at one of your, like, you know, sibling studios or whatever. I think for, like, a Wolverine game, following a sort of God of War mold mold would probably be for the best because that's sort of, like... intense like weighty combat yeah um, that's what i'm thinking i would like for wolverine to be like sort of a, a faster kratos do you know what i mean that kind of mm-hmm. um and even that structure as well because obviously spider-man games need to be built to be open world to make use of the web slinging but something much more linear would be more effective for wolverine i reckon like i want him cutting arms off like and some wild stuff. Like... <laughs> there's a recent wolverine storyline where uh dracula teams up with omega red to capture wolverine because they the vampires want to use his blood because it will power up the vampire army so they should do that story wolverine versus vampires you should they 100 percent won't that'd be cool yeah i hope they do like he tries to like Having him like defend the mutants as a wider thing might be a cool storyline for that kind of game. But then you'd have to bring in loads of more characters. Riding the high of Wolverine came an extended Gran Turismo 7 trailer. <laughs> <laughs> um, to which fill that lever next gen. To which Jade announced, I fucking love cars. <laughs> <laughs> 
they took it inside the car as well. It was a very sexual it trailer. It Does anyone else remember when they revealed Drive Club and there was this guy who spent about 20 minutes like verbally wanking over a car? <laughs> like it, it was almost like that, but like somewhat less gratuitous. But like, yeah, Gran Turismo Seven. Like, yeah, the UI still sucks. It's a Gran Turismo <laughs> game. This was to me just two minutes, so that everyone had time to talk about Wolverine. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like they knew. Like, oh, we'll put this, we'll put this three-minute montage of cars on, so people can cool down. <laughs> they, they obviously wanted like. Wolverine and Spidey right at the end, and they didn't want to go from Wolverine to Spidey, but they knew they wanted God of War to be right at yeah, the end. Yeah, but they needed yeah. something to fill the just gap. Something needed to take that. Yeah. And this was unusual. They didn't announce the release date for Gran Turismo in the trailer, but afterwards they said it's coming out in March. So it felt weird. That felt like a weird omission to me. PlayStation been a, a few times. It was supposed to be a launch title as well, and it's like March next year. So no, it's a car game in it. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. Okay, but car game. Spider-Man 2, another Insomniac Doo-doo. joint, 2023. Uh, this trailer showed so many cool things and probably things I need to watch it a few more times to see. But here's just yeah. a couple ideas uh, off the top of my head. We had the superior Spider-Man uh, arm or the uh, the legs, which we, we've also seen yes. in the MCU now. Um, but that was very cool. Still, we had Peter and Miles fighting together. We had a vaguely European villainous voice that I Raven. believe is Craven. There was uh, a few villains in there. I haven't looked around online to see what other people are saying, but it seemed like Craven to me. And then uh, we had a Venom reveal. And so, that was the best part because Venom is probably Harry. Venom is better than Spider Man. So, you know, that's why this game is going to be absolutely excellent, is because Venom makes Spider Man look shit. What was the <laughs> what was the Venom teaser from the end of the first game? Um, they go. He's in the tank. Harry's in the tank. The thing carries away on a school trip or something. But he's not. Norman's got him in like the tank. Right. And there's this this symbiote in there yeah, or something. It's, it's very it's a very subtle tease. But I think the I imagine in the sequel the symbiote is gonna be a way to cure his illness and he gets out. And then maybe the story's going to be like, oh, Harry's all better. But then it becomes clear, like, uh-oh, he's Venom now. Yeah. Ruh-roh. Yeah, basically. Gotta kill my friend. Uh, I will say it annoys me that it's called Spider-Man 2. I just, I just don't like that. Because Miles was Spider-Man 2. I know it was shorter, yeah. and I know it wasn't Peter, but it was a Spider-Man game, and it was the second one. Uh, I think most of us kind of presume that Peter Parker would get the symbiote suit for Spider-Man 2. But it now kind of seems like maybe they're going to save that for the next next Spider-Man. Like, I can imagine this one ending with him being like, oh crap, I've got a symbiote suit now. Will Venom be playable? I think Peter and Miles will. I don't think Venom will. I think there'll be there'll be a dual... I think it'll be fascinating if... Because it's going to be dual protagonist, right? So it'll be fascinating if one of them gets the symbiote suit, because then yeah. there'll be the juxtaposition of like... A morally good hero and then someone who's corrupt by the symbiote and you'll be playing as both of them and then yeah maybe they'll end up colliding at the end like i think that would be a cool dynamic yeah i think miles getting it would be the more interesting thing that would be that would just be a cool story yeah i just don't want to play as mj i don't want to play any of the game any of it no none not one second as MJ. there was there don't was no stealth in miles so i think they learned their lesson because yeah. miles is a younger hero and one of the things I love about Marvel Spider-Man is it depicts an older Peter Parker who's been around the bend. Like 
he might have encountered symbi symbiotes before and we just haven't heard about it. But Miles is fresh off the block. He's still learning to be a hero. So him being infected with, infected with this and yeah. being overconfident <clears throat> and thinking he can do stuff he can't, Peter having to talk him down or reason with him about what it means to be a hero and how you need to neglect the the allure of being a villain potentially like that would probably be a really interesting plot because they did something similar yeah. with Doc Ock and stuff like Peter having to learn to kill someone he I don't I can't remember if he dies I don't think he dies but kill someone you know yeah. he's in jail at the end but he hasn't got his powers and he's like, still all like go against someone he loves like you'd have to instead of he if Peter was a student going against the teacher in the first game but now he'll be the teacher having to fight his students so that would be cool Damn, Insomniac, hire us. Yeah, I'll write that tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, specifically, <laughs> the Far Cry yeah, director did this, but he cancelled me. My idea would just be to put Tom Hardy in and like you know, let him be Venom for the entire I'll game. Do that. Do that as well. Right. I feel like we need to expose this to the podcast audience. Keen, what's your favourite Spider-Man movie of all time? Venom. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's not even close. Incredible. It's honestly not even close. I, know, I, know. I haven't seen Venom, but I've heard it's like campy good. No, nah, Venom is absolutely incredible. Unbelievably it? disjointed. It was written by seven different people, and neither of them got to see what the other person was writing. <laughs> maybe that's it's, why it's a masterpiece. It makes maybe, absolutely no maybe sense. That is, maybe that is the methodology that other studios should take on going forward. <laughs> because it clearly like, you know, results in an excellent film. It's it's the magnum opus of Spider-Man media. That might be a little bit hyperbolic. <laughs> uh, what do we think about... Um, I'm pulling this on my ass, but I really think it was Craven. What do we think about Craven as a as a villain for the game? I think it needs to be someone who has not been in the films. Yeah, that just I agree. has to be a real base that it needs to be. And they wasted so many in the first game by just hiding them all yeah, together. Totally. They felt, a lot of the villains in the first game felt like an afterthought. Like they were they're in a set piece or two. But I'd love Venom's gonna be the central like antagonist, but I'd love another big villain taking up a lot of the game. Like Mr. Negative did who I guess he yeah, Mr. Negative yeah. was good actually. Mr. Negative was super really, really good. Like, first super time. unknown. Like I hadn't heard of him until the game. I think Kriven's a good pick, if it is Kriven. Okay. And last game of the show was our gameplay reveal for God of War Ragnarok. Yes, it is called Ragnarok. I don't know why we were pretending that it wasn't Ragnarok for so long. That was such a weird thing to do. It's just a lie. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Like, who cares? Uh they did that with Endgame as well, didn't they? Doctor Strange said Endgame in Infinity War, and people were like, oh, it's going to be called Endgame. And they were like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's nothing that was said in the film. And then it yeah. was. Like, oh, wow, you got me. You lied. <laughs> I believe you hurt my feelings, Corey Barlog. Um, so this <laughs> looks like more God of War, which is not surprising at all. And it's, it's going to be more of what everybody loved. But I didn't see anything that looked like some kind of departure. I didn't see like, oh, in the next horizon, you can climb anything. You know, it didn't. I'm sure there will be, I'm sure there will be plenty of new things, but it definitely just looked like a pretty direct continuation of the gameplay we saw in the first one. Yeah. I think, that, I think there was quite a bit that was different because okay. as opposed to having the boat around the Lake of the Nine, it was like that sled with the dogs. So I think that that alone is kind of indicative of how it's going to be pretty different terrain in general. Um, also, Atreus is a lot bigger. He's a year older. I wouldn't be surprised if 
if playing him felt very different. Uh, if he's going to be playable, like you know, that'd be obviously introduced quite a big change. Um, and aside from that, like you know, the, there was the combat looks really refined. Um, Kratos, one of the one of the combos he was able to pull off was with the Blades of Chaos. Like he kind of like akimbo, like simultaneously latched onto someone's shoulders and pulled himself towards them. So also the the Leviathan Axe throw was was going in an arc as opposed to like directly forward and back. So it it does look like there are th- those are all relatively minor things, but also I don't think they'll want to really like you know show their whole hand right now. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of NPCs in the world as well. Yeah, that's quite a big that, change. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, the having actual living people in the world, it, it always did seem kind of weird. Like there was a narrative reason for it in the first one, right? But it always did seem kind of weird that it was just a completely empty world. Yeah, as Kian said, like there's a lot of subtle enhancements that improve upon the formula, but you can see when there's that big piece of terrain when he's using the dog sled, and I I wouldn't be surprised if there's a big central hub but one with more characters and more interactivity in it. And you branch out into different biomes and arenas to advance the story. Cause that yeah. works so well in the first one. I'd rather they just expand upon that gameplay formula and continue the story instead of departing away from it too much. I also think it was nice to see that Brock is back because Brock's a legend. Yeah. That's so good. Um, yep. But yeah, like, I mean, it, it it depends how much you want to get into it, but I think that like we saw Freya appear and mm-hmm. att- attack the two of them. Kratos obviously doesn't want to get involved. Atreus is is more rowdy. Um, he actually Atreus in that trailer reminded me a bit of in the first game when you're in before before he goes to hell for the second time. You know, when he finds out he's a god and he's a pain in the arse for like oh, two hours. Fucker, yeah. Like I hated him so much after that. Um. Yeah, but <laughs> th- th- there's there's some pretty cool stuff there as well. Obviously, Freya's still after them. I was surprised by Thor's accent, but you know that, I don't think that's a big deal. But most of all, I, what I thought was really interesting was two characters that we didn't know. One of which, like, oh, Tyr is that you? And Tyr stands up, and he's clearly a Jotun, like he's clearly right. a giant. Yeah, and that tells us a little bit about the source material because there are, in Norse mythology there are two main. Um, text you've got the poetic edda and the prose edda the poetic edda has tear as the son of a giant and the prose edda has tear as odin's son and while there's a lot of overlap between those things loki is quite different in the two of them because atreus is loki i think that tells us what they're what kind of earth they're going to go for there and mm. um, so that is valuable the fact that tear stands up and he's clearly a giant also it means that he is going to take uh, Kratos and Atreus aside in the war uh, obviously right. because Kratos' wife Faye was a giant as well Yeah, and then at the end you have a character we haven't seen before and it, it's a young girl and because Atreus is young and obviously from the first game you know he's Loki I, there, is, there is absolutely nothing to go on even she has one line and it's not indicative of anything that like y- you would know from knowing the mythology but my guess would be that it's going to be either Sigyn or Angerboda, which are Loki's two wives. Because if he was, either he's shapeshifted or reincarnated. Because the fact that Jormungandr is there and Tyr's hand is gone, it's bitten off by Fenris, means that Jormungandr and Fenris are, are Loki's children. So Atreus can't really just be some like 14-year-old kid. Um, I, I'm getting kind of into it now, but, but what, what I'm yeah, saying is... 
it, yeah. it, it, it has given us a very, very solid example of which source material that they're pulling from. And I think her being at the end of the trailer is significant. Like, they're very much, they want us to not, like, speculate on, like, her importance in the story. Yeah, because I, I kind of think that, um, because Anger Boda is a giantess as well. She's a yachtin, so I'd say it's more likely to be her than Sigan. So, but that would be really cool, because Anger Boda is, like, literally, like, the mother of monsters in Norse mythology. So that would be a pretty cool thing to put in. I think I was only half listening, but when they were doing that interview with the director after the stream, I, I thought you meant to key anyway. Like, I was only really half listening, but you said so much. <laughs> oh, what you were saying? The director at the end, I think that he said that she is one of the last giants. He might have been talking about Tyr, but I think he was talking about her. Oh, that 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 would make me believe that it's Angerboda even more, which would be so cool. Um, I really liked, I really liked that moment at the beginning when Atreus carries the deer, the stag in, and the horns cover yeah, his head and make it look cool. like he's got Loki's horns. That was very stylish. Yeah, I don't know. I I thought it was a great trailer in general. Apparently, it's the end of like the. Apparently, it's the end of the Norse saga. That's what they've said. Like following, so I'm really can like I'm really interested to see where they go. But... How it ends, I guess. Yeah, I guess you expect a trilogy from things these days. Uh, any And from God of War, I guess, specifically. But um, yeah, this one yeah. is not... At least this storyline is not going to be a trilogy. But also, yeah, also what's the point on patent something? Like, if something's better at two games, games yeah. like, you know, then go for two games, games 100%. Yeah. I'm with yeah. that, too. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I would much well, prefer them to do two, like, really concentrated yeah, focus games and just leave it there. Like, really concentrated focus also, this is called Ragnarok. You can't call the game Ragnarok and be like, and in the third one, we get Ragnarok. You can't be like, and in the third one, we get Ragnarok. that's true. You can't do that. Yeah. Ragnarok is the end, isn't it? Yeah, Ragnarok is the end and rebirth of the world. Yeah, Ragnarok is, like, the end and rebirth of the world. You know, yeah, most yeah. of the of the gods and, and stuff die. You know, most so, of the of the gods um, and stuff die. Into, so, Loki and some he dies um, and some he doesn't. Into, there's a lot of different Loki versions. Loki and some he dies um, and some he doesn't. Obviously, there's that thing from the end of the first game um, where when obviously there's that thing from the end of the first game and they leave phase ashes at top of the at the top of the mountain and they leave and there's that like sort of mural on the wall and it shows Kratos and Atreus and it shows and you can't tell if Atreus and you can't Kratos looks like he's dying. You can't tell if Atreus is Kratos killing him like or dying. trying to save him. You can't tell if Atreus so, is killing him uh, or trying to no save him. Yeah, yeah. I, I, won't, uh, I won't get into no it here because I'll, 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 I'll I won't, talk about 20 minutes. I won't get no into it here because I'll, I'll The alternate versions of what happens no to Loki the at Ragnarok in the actual source material. That is a very, 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 very interesting point. That is a very, very, very... If I get into it now, then we'll be up until, like, what time is it now? It is literally 11pm. We'll be up to, like, 2am if I start talking. No, if it's I get into Friday, it now, and we'll whatever time like, what you're listening to this podcast. It's 11pm. We'll be up to, like, 2am. 7pm on a Friday. This is still coming out. It's Friday, and it's whatever time you're listening to this podcast. It's similar to Horizon, where it's, like, a platform thing. It's running on the same engine and stuff like that. I think Stacey said during the I think other thoughts about the showcase i thought you know save the best for last and there was some good stuff in there and there's some boring shit in there, but 
uh, the Wolverine reveal, I think, is enough to carry the whole thing. I think that is such an exciting. Yeah, video. all you need is one zinger yeah. like to carry the show. Like, and finally seeing God of War, I think we've we've been waiting a very long time. Um, everybody, everybody, tell me your number one from the whole show. Oh, no. something with me. I'm started. Spidey. Spidey. Jade. For spoken. You know, why not? Okay. Oh, good pick. Ken? Uh, between God of War and Wolverine. George? Actually, God of War. What am I talking God about? God of War. Absolutely. <laughs> Is there anything that's all... <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna say yeah. I'm... That, well, that's that's how I feel as well. It's like it's the only thing there that felt full. You know, it yeah. felt like it actually got a proper proper reveal. So I didn't I'm want really to sound immensely basic and be like God of War, but like yeah, honestly, it it is God of War. God of War, Spider Man, Wolverine, yeah, a lot, a lot of good stuff. Ghostwire Tokyo, Deathloop, of course. Oh yeah, There's a lot, lot of good stuff. A lot of good one. stuff yeah. in that show. Uh, great. Wow. We'll have a lot more coverage for all of these announcements on the site. Um, and then Stacy and Jade, you can stick around because we have five reviews to go over this week. We'll be right back. Uh, Dave, do a little uh, of your podcast voice narration for us. I'll give you some background music, okay? Welcome everyone to the Gamer Podcast. We are once again being joined by the entire crew. Everyone here, everyone's smiling, at least the people I can see. We have Andrea, Jade, Stacy, Eric, and of course, yours truly, Dave Brains. Today we're going to talk about several topics, including Tales of Rise and some other shit I don't care about. Alright. Please tune in and stay. <laughs> okay, we're you were doing so good. You were doing so good. Sound like the intro to a fucking Silent Hill game. <laughs> let's talk about right. tales of arise and some bullshit that dave doesn't care about <laughs> jump <laughs> jump right in um yeah we got five reviews uh to go Whoa. over a very healthy week um but it seems to me that tales is likely the headliner here so uh andrea that was your review and what yes. was your score it was well i guess eight out of ten four out of five one gotcha <laughs> and um this is the i just counted this is the 17th mainline tales game damn i didn't even I know assume that. I played you've them. played them all <laughs> i have uh played most of them um i mentioned it in my review but i've got like i don't know i love the series but i hadn't quite realized that i had pretty much hated them all for a decade um just mm. uh, horrible casts super boring worlds and like losing a lot of the charm from like early on games tried berseria a couple times and i did like it and i think i was just so burnt out that that one quite didn't rekindle my love i think like it did for a lot of people uh violet rules though but tales of arise did um and it kind of recaptured that same love that i used to have for it nice uh, okay, so what what does uh, Tales do that brought you back? What right. did, sorry, Arise do that brought you back? <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, Tales has never been, like, super, you know, standout storytelling or anything like that, right? But they've always had these really charming casts. Um, and the story has been just, like, a great way to move them forward and kind of make you fall in love with that cast. Um, the battle systems have always been, like, 
so-so. Um, and I think Arise kind of takes you back to that. Like, the cast is super charming. There's not a single person um, in that party that I did not end up, like, teary-eyed over at some point. Um, there, it, it kind of remembers a lot of that silly, witty banter between the two that I love um, amongst the, the party. And then Xion and Alfin is what I'm talking about with the two. Um, and then the battle system is just, like, really good. Like, there's tons of just, like, weird, clunky running in a straight line that happens because of that linear motion battle system that um, Tails usually has. But mm. this one feels more like an action game. Uh, we talked about the preview a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. uh, Jade and I. Um, and I, I haven't played any of these games before. Um, mm -hmm. But... From what I played of the combat, it seemed very modernized and fluid in a way that I didn't ex that maybe you don't see always from JRPG games. Yeah, uh, yeah. There, there's just definitely like um, it's kind of stilted, like some of the older stuff. Um, there's there's a lot of really weird hangups and and I don't know. It's just slowed down. Um, but Arise, it just like kept everything coming um and the combos were really satisfying um and they kept there was one point where i was describing it to a friend it reminded me like of a naruto game like the cyber connect games with how ridiculously flashy they are mm. um because they're like really cinematic and theatrical and i know dave is mean mugging dave me because mean -mugging he hates so me hard so much um uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what they they remind me of just like some of those really ridiculous cyber connect 2 games where you get these like giant animations that are just nonsense but i became like obsessed with chaining them together dave <laughs> dave what? hates me you know? what's what's your issue I, I've anytime Naruto is mentioned anytime ready to go ready to throw down Beast, what are you doing I'm going to start doing it for every game I review. This is how <laughs> Life is Strange is like Naruto. Naruto. <laughs> oh my god, Armor 3 is just like Naruto. Oh my god. The war arc, Armor 3, recreation. <laughs> okay. Right. We should have a Naruto rating scale. Okay, I'll shut up about Naruto now. Next podcast. Okay, walk us through the broad strokes of the story. Right. Um, okay. Please don't kill me. I'm not going to accidentally spoil something. Um, so there are the Danans and the Rinans. Um, The Danans, um, they live on the planet that you begin on, and they are enslaved by the Rinans. The Rinans kind of live up on their nice, beautiful world where they don't have to look at you and face everything that they've done. Um but the Renans have five lords on the planet um, of Dana, and they're controlling all of the resources, and they are stripping the the, the planet of everything. Um, and you're kind of moving between lord to lord um, down on Dana to get rid of them <laughs> um, and liberate okay. the people. Uh, you have Shion and Alfin, and they are the dual protagonists. And so um, Alfin is actually a Danon and he is an amnesiac and cannot remember anything beyond uh, the last year of his life. Xion is a Renan. Um, so she is part of the oppressive class, but yet they team up anyway. <laughs> um, and so Xion, uh, it kind of just like beats you over the head with how they're going to like put these two together. Xion causes pain when someone touches her and Alfin cannot feel pain. 
So the dynamic is like kind of ridiculous, but it, it is really like it's got a lot of heart and it's precious at points. So pretty familiar setup, at least, I think. Mm-hmm. If people have like seen Blade Runner or Alita, I th- there's a lot of stories that are sort of based um, on that premise. Right. So it sounds fairly grounded, even if you're not like big on the, in the series or like big into, I don't know, like JRPG or anime tropes. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 There is a part. Um, it certainly escalates things. Um, and it, it kind of like surprises you when you think it's trying to, to wind down. Um, I, I won't like go into all of that, so I don't spoil everything. Um, but those beats are actually really, really good too. Um, the only moments that I didn't like, like I, I loved the world of Dana. Um, I loved the interactions between the cast and all that good stuff. But there were some, some really strange just like moments where they totally seemed to forget where they were. Um, and the writing kind of felt weird. And I'm saying that, you know, like as like a, a world of magic and nonsense and it still felt like weirdly unbelievable. Um, but the the skits and stuff are still really good. So and that's like a tail staple. OK. Um, but overall story is pretty strong, you, you think? I think so. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Dave, where are you at with this one? <laughs> So, like uh, Andrea, I've always been a big fan of the Tales games. I'm not sure I've played all 17 of the mainline titles, but played a lot of them. And, uh, you know, been a big fan since back in the day. And uh, as Andrea said earlier, you know, Zestiria and Berseria, they kind of, they were kind of, I don't know. They just didn't hit, (laughs) they hit different and it weren't different in a good way, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, five years since those games, so been eager to have something new, but also afraid of what that could be. Uh, now we have Tales of Arise, and I feel, I personally, thus far, haven't played as much of it as Andrea. Yeah. And I can't, like, comment on the story to the degree that she can. But thus far, you know, what carries me through a JRPG is the battle system, since that's pretty much all you do outside of going through cutscenes. Right. So, yeah. I, I really, really, really like that. I, I like what I've seen of the characters thus far, again. But the 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 combat, like as Andrea said, much more action focused. Feels much more uh, freeing, uh, less restrictions. I think Berseria took steps in that direction, but still ended up feeling like unfocused, unrefined mm. in in terms of combat. It had good moments, but. Uh, but this one feels feels really, really, really nice so far. I do lament the fact they removed the option to have like a uh, local multiplayer partners uh, assume the role of your party members. Mm. I always loved that as an aspect of previous Tales games. But you can understand why they've removed it in order to make it more of a, like you said, an action game where we can like introduce more characters into your attacks and combos. And uh, that wouldn't have been possible, I think if another player was controlling them instead. So, swings and roundabouts, but thus sure. far, real good. So, what's the closest comparison for the combat, if not uh, Neuroto? <laughs> Star Neuroto, Rotten, maybe? In terms of JRPGs? Neruto? Maybe. Wait, um... I'm sorry, what is it? Andrea. <laughs> Naruto? Naruto. Naruto. Okay. Naruto. Is it not it's Naruto? just my accent. 
It sounded like you said Naruto, like nut, Naruto. like within you. I Every time I have to say that word, I hesitate so much <laughs> trying to figure out what it's supposed to be. I've never said it right. <sighs> Dave, what, what's the... Tell me what you would consider the closest comparison for the combat then. I just don't know. <laughs> I a totally original know. combat system. It's like a Star Engine game. No, no. It's certainly it's certainly not a totally original. I I only played one Star Ocean game and not that much of it. It was one of the ones that wasn't good. Most yeah. of them then. Hello. I know that was <laughs> down. It's like one good Star thing. Ocean yeah. has logged in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't be able to make that comparison, but I don't know. As Andrea said, it feels like a more traditional action game. It's not up there with like the character action greats mm. of like Devil May Cry and Bayonetta and such like that, but it is incredibly solid. I can't, I can't make a, a, a decent comparison because there are so many games where you press a button to punch a guy. It's a big step up, like relative to the older Tales games. I think. Mm-hmm. I, it, yeah, I think it'll be hard to go back to the old ones now. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What's the? So this is my issue with it. What, from what I've played, what is the ratio of cutscenes to gameplay? Is it like Metal Gear Solid levels? There's, there's, there's a lot. It's not bad. Um, like the main stuff. If you're skipping, I mean, like you're not hunting all of the skits. That's not you know so bad. But there's 320 skits. Um, but the skits are like a lot of the charm. I just remember that right at the start of that game there's this pretty cool train sequence where you're fighting on top of a train and the entire thing is just a cinematic you don't get to play one minute of that sequence is there a lot of that in the game um sorry if you hear my dog i just had to mute so he's losing his mind um, i have a dog filter don't worry about it okay <laughs> Uh, but but I mean yeah, like the, a lot of the cool stuff that you see, I guess you don't really fight on like that. I mean, you have some pretty cool worlds that you visit, and I, I think mm-hmm. I mentioned that in my review that Tales classically, as much as I loved it, some of those worlds are a bit of a slog to like try to run through um, because they all look the same. But Arise, you know, it, it kept me fooled that it was different from here and there for a while and I was, and after like 30 hours I was like damn I am running in a straight line aren't I um <laughs> uh okay and how long is it uh 46 hours so I played almost the whole thing on normal difficulty uh-huh. and then and I kept going oh fuck I shouldn't have like picked that because I'm tired and I wanted to review it and then I got to close to the end and I realized you can tweak the difficulty like in the game so um okay it took me 46 hours 47 hours ish um with story mode at the end so um and i guess mostly linear not not much of like an open world feel to it right there's some kind of big areas but mostly it's linear for 46 hours yeah, it's not that like Xenoblade thing where it's like you see that thing over there, you can run to it. It's it's nothing yeah. like that. It's it's mostly a straight line and then you get warp points so you don't have to run for three hours in a straight line back to where you came from. Right. Well, it sounds like people that like Tales games, this one's going to really impress. Mm-hmm. But uh, That is boy, your that's... response to 
every game you're not so into. <laughs> it was yeah. nice with no more heroes. It was like, well, if you like no more heroes, I think Am you're I gonna wrong, like though? no more heroes. I mean, what else you're is there wrong. to say? Like, it, I mean, no, it sounds like a good game, but but it does not sound like a game for everyone. And then you could say the same for no more heroes. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. <laughs> but Star Ocean is a game for everyone. <laughs> This is a matter of me and Dave not liking the same kinds of games. Oh, I I don't even know what you do like. <laughs> How dare you? Do you? Um. Well, I like. Yeah, that's what some I games thought. Games we're gonna Here talk we go. about later on today. Oh, okay. All right. I, l- I love Until Dawn. <laughs> Mate, that's just cutscenes. Yeah. See, that's Metal Gear Solid, basically. uh okay any last tales of arise thoughts it's just like naruto that's all i got just like like... (laughs) you know have you noticed how people at this job just are out to get me yeah Yeah, that's it that's that's my final thoughts poor dave Thanks. Thank you. Uh, okay, let's talk about Life is Strange True Colors. Woo. Flip the table. And uh, Stacey and Jade, you're on. Oh, Dave just ran away. Where's Dave he just... going? He's spinning <laughs> his chair around. He, this is an audio. We're giving you a visual glib. Well, this is great something. pod. <laughs> how, do I, Jade, how do I exit? You can just go. We don't have to make a big thing about it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dave. We're all professionals here. How do I? Is it insane? Can't you just fuck off? I mean, you can not just like fuck that. Off, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> not like that, you know. But quit. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. I need to message Dave. There we go. He's got to apologize now. <laughs> I'm gonna like quit. I'm gonna leave all this in. Uh all right, Dave is gone from the show today, maybe forever. We'll see. Let's talk about uh Life is Strange again, True yes, Colors. Yes. Please. Yes, yeah. Yes. Five out of five. It's fantastic. Five out of five. Both of you yes. five out of five? I I didn't review it, Stacy. I didn't review it, but I um would have given it a five out of five, yes. Okay, Jade, your your review came out today. Uh, both of you have been no two days ago. Oh, cause... I'm sorry. There were so many reviews today. I got confused. Yeah. Uh, yes, you you both have been gushing about this game all week, uh, and we talked about the preview a little bit last week. But I'm excited to hear your full thoughts. Is this the best yes. Life is Strange so far? It's definitely. I think me, me and Sata were also talking about this earlier. I put this on par with Life is Strange 1, I think. Okay. Yeah, I feel the just, same. Yeah, in terms of just characters, I think this is this is a more ambitious and arguably complete game in a lot of ways of its character, dialogue, and themes, but I still have like a soft spot in my heart for Life is Strange 1 because of when it came about in my life, and very much what it achieved for adventure games back then and mm. how influential it was. True Colors feels like a really solid continuation of that. Yeah, I think I think if you if you give the Life of Strange games like an eight out of ten, a four out of five, then this one's probably going to be the best. Yeah, it's clearly the best game. There's a lot more gameplay elements to it. There's like a weird 
turn-based RPG that comes up in the middle that you play out. Really? There's an open world element to it. The choices are far more um, in the kind of tell me why mold where, yeah, you're making choices, but it's not like, it's very rare that time freezes and it'll be like, do this thing or do this dramatically different thing. Yeah. You feel like Alex is constantly making a conscious choice to do two realistic options. So it's clearly the best game, but I think a lot of people like me and Jade feel so strongly about the first one and Max and Chloe <coughs> and have that kind of connection to what the first one built that I think a lot of people are comparing it to how the first game made them feel as opposed mm. to how the first game is. So I yeah. would say Life is Strange 1 is the best one because of how I felt playing it. But objectively, this is the best version of this storytelling that I've ever seen across any of the Don't Nod games or any of the games that I've tried to be like Don't Nod games. Yeah, so this isn't the same developer as the original game, right? This no. is Deck Nine, who previously did Before the Storm, which was a prequel of the original. I think that's another correct yeah, way to describe it. it. Yeah, so it, it very much feels... I've often felt like the dialogue and the characters in Before the Storm are somewhat less cringy and more honest and relatable than they were in the main games that Helmed by Don't Nod, and I very much feel like that's evolved in true colours. It, it feels of the same DNA in a lot of meaningful ways. Mm. Where, but we also talked about this, where Life is Strange and 2 and Tell Me Why and some of those are often games that dwell in their sadness and they want to make you feel sad and there's, there's often times where there isn't a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of happiness, but True Colors is, it's a game that's very much defined by its grief. Like Alex's brother passes away in the opening chapter, and a lot of the game is spent dealing with that loss. But every single chapter has reasons for you to smile or to feel optimistic about this character and where she's going. Like the game is not about her brother's death, but it is, but it is in a way defined by it. Like there's so many lovely little moments, like the fourth chapter. You're going through town in a LARP, pretending like the town is like a fantasy land, and it turns into a turn-based RPG for about an hour. And like, it, there's no overarching, like, brutal mystery to solve. You're very much just in the shoes of this character, having fun, making friends, and building a new life. And that's something that was really relatable, and also something you could smile about, as opposed to waiting for something to go wrong. Yeah. Oh. Interesting. So is this like a Call of Duty situation where they're switching off developers every time? Or is Deck Nine like taking the series forward from here? I think so, Square Enix owns the IP. Uh -huh. yeah. So and I think I think a few years ago Deck Nine said their Life is Strange is their baby going forward. Okay. Yeah, I think Don't Not have kind of um they've got three or four different tell me why style games on the go that are clearly Life is Strange kind of in different set dressing mm. but i don't think they're going back to life is strange as a as a property i think the people that don't had wanted to make new stories and obviously life uh. is strange still existed deck nine had done really well with before the storm and it made sense for um, square Enix to like hand it off to a studio that had done that kind of game before that knew what it was doing while letting the studio that had created it go on to create new things rather than than stagnate it this does feel mm. like a new team is coming with new ideas yeah. As opposed to, let's make the third one. Yeah, it sounds like it was definitely for the best that the Absolutely. new studio took over, yeah? Absolutely uh, the right choice. 
cool. Uh, so th- this is a game we definitely don't want to spoil because that's sort of the whole game. Yeah. Like, um, but what can you tell us about the story? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. I suppose a lot of the big narrative revelations that you wouldn't want to spoil don't come into play until the final act of the game. I think that's very much where a lot of the narrative meat is. Mm. But essentially, the setup is Alex Chen, she's a a 21-year-old woman. So her being an adult is also a really nice thing for this game. It's not like a a teenager like growing up and dealing with like high school and stuff. They're, mm. they're an adult and that makes them it, it made them more relatable for me because of where I am in my life. I got a bit of a sidetrack there, but yes, she's spent 8 years going through the foster system and she's finally established contact with her brother Gabe and he encourages her to move to Haven Springs, which is an idyllic town in the mountains of Colorado and it's the first chapter is very much like overly saccharine and wholesome it's like, oh this town's wonderful everyone's nice like <laughs> this is going to be an amazing place to live I've got a job at the bar like I can just be as gay as I want in this town and then obviously because it's life is strange something goes wrong the the end of the first chapter and I suppose this isn't a spoiler because it's in all of the trailers her yeah, brother passes we, away and we know Gabe dies yeah, yeah. that's like mm-hmm. the focal point of the plot but then she's kind of like has to deal with the aftermath of that. And then while also making friends with people like Ryan and Steph, who are both the key supporting characters and the, your potential romantic interests, like Sate is explored in a couple of pieces on the site. Whereas Alex is knowingly bisexual, which is not player sexual, mm. which is kind of nice. Like she's just attracted to everyone and she'll express that through dialogue. So getting to know, those two characters is a big part of the game. And then there's also just a mystery with the mining company who are, were they responsible for your brother's death? And it's very much delving into that conspiracy and like trying to get revenge for your brother by taking out a big corporation. But that never feels like a major focus of the game, I suppose. It's always about the characters and how Mm. they're feeling and how they're interacting. Like that's what I took away from it. And the overarching narrative was very much like the ride I was on, but it wasn't the thing I took away as savoring the most. That was a okay. bit of a ramble, but so a lot more character driven than story driven. But yeah. are are the 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 twists and turns still uh, gripping? It doesn't feel like it does twist and turn that much. Yeah. I don't think. Okay. It's about it's... getting to know the characters. Like she she moves this town without really knowing anybody, and after Gabe's death, is a little bit of a time skip. So it's really like yeah, it's like a week or two, isn't it? I think yeah. So it's just her in the aftermath of that and getting to know people. There's not really, there's not really a twist. It's her brother's died and everyone's life is falling apart. Yeah, but they're right. still there for each other. No, there there is you know it's life is strange. There is some mystery to it. You do have to solve things. Yeah, but it's not like in like in the first game where like oh there's this barn with a lab underneath where they. Head teacher has been abducting schoolgirls. You know, oh there's, God, there's, yeah. It's just kind of my brother's gone and everything hurts a little bit more now. Yeah, and mm. I think that's that's one of the beautiful things I took away from it because one of the focal points. I said that twice now, but one of the my review opens with my brother passed away earlier this year, and I've related to that journey a lot in the game because like there's a similar age gap between Alex and Gabe and. It's not about her being overwhelmed by grief. It's very much her realizing, oh, this this sucks and it's awful and it feels impossible to get through right now. But 
life goes on and my brother wouldn't want me to be sitting here like wallowing in my own sadness yeah and there's people in the game who are very much in a way there's people like ryan and steph knew gabe better than alex did because she hadn't seen him for almost a decade so they're suffering along with her and a lot of the characters can act irrationally sometimes because that's the nature of grief but you can tell they're always there for each other like even when they fight or argue or anything like that last week we talked about uh the empathy powers Mm. and how that fits into the story is that a big focus for the narrative that's an interesting question less i would say than max and daniel's power yeah okay she lives with her power. I think because she, she doesn't see it as a power. She doesn't use it. Like, Max just kind of uses her power sometimes for fun. Yeah. They shoot the bottles at the dump and then she rewinds time and the bottles haven't been shot anymore. Da da. <laughs> um, Alex does a little bit of that. Like, there's a. This is kind of, I suppose, a, the minorist of spoilers, but like, there's mm-hmm. a couple in town who. They both think the other person just likes them as a friend, but they like them as more than a friend. And it turns out they both feel that way. And because Alex can kind of read their thoughts, she knows that and she can kind of nudge them a little bit. Yeah. So there's things like that. And there are some decisions where it's like, use power in this way, use power in that way. But the story isn't that she's got powers. That's just a thing that happens. Yeah. So the story is that Gabe's not there anymore. Yeah, because I suppose in Life is Strange 1 and 2, you discover they have powers alongside them. But we're introduced That's to true. Alex and she's... I think the opening the opening scene in the game she touches she touches on having these powers and we're very much just like, Okay, so she can do this and it's it's not about learning to use those powers, it's almost about her learning to live with them because in the opening chapter or so the she's often only ever reading anger, sadness or fear, but then it opens up that like, oh, she can read happiness and even her own happiness and she can make people happy. So she she comes to view it not even as a superpower, but as like a part of her mind and a part of her body that she can cope with and use for good if she can master it in a way. It, I I wonder if moving forward, if they'll just completely abandon the superpower thing. It it seems like it's becoming less and less of a like a hook or a gimmick. Yeah. For the series, I wonder if they'll even need it. Uh, in the future does it did it feel like they're sort of just like backing off that idea in this one i don't think so i think it was a, a new interpretation of it like the first mm. game obviously you rewind to choice based game you can rewind time that's a really yeah. interesting gimmick because choices are kind of permanent and the fact that you can rewind time i know you could always rewind max's big choices but having that in there is interesting and life is strange too it was oh you don't have powers your little brother does and you know he's a kid that Daniel's what like eight nine doesn't really know what he's doing doesn't always use them very sensibly mm. yeah um, linked very clearly to the trauma of his dad so that was like oh kind of what if powers but not and this is like Jade said she's had powers from the start they aren't really powers I think it's too important to life is strange especially with don't not going off and making their own versions of games Mm-hmm. to have some kind of supernatural element to it. I would be disappointed, I think, even though they've never been my favourite part of it, if it was just, this game has a woman in who chooses things. Yeah. I would it's probably just some man. It's still, it's still part of the identity of the series. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. I, don't, I don't think Life is Strange will ever get to the point where there's 
superpowers focused on combat or confrontation. I think mm. the powers will always be, I suppose, intertwined with the emotional storytelling aspect. Because even like Max's time powers did that to an extent. Like, it's always to benefit the characters and rarely to benefit the mechanics. Because from a gameplay perspective, Alex's powers aren't like super like enthralling or innovative or anything like that. They're very much mm. written into the game as opposed to being like a meaningful gameplay mechanic you engage with. Like, the, okay. like, like as Stacy said, like there's optional things throughout town, like little side quests you can do. But also Alex seems to realize that feelings are quite an important thing to people. Like people feel for a reason. So she'll often encounter situations where she, she'll read the minds of two people and realize like, oh, I, should, I shouldn't mess with that. Like that's not my business. Whereas other times when she realizes it's the right thing to do, she's like, oh, I can help these two hook up or I can help this dude guess how many jelly beans are in a jar at a festival. Like it's, it's little <laughs> things, yeah. Is this the best example of storytelling in a video game? Oh, oh, that's a heavy question. Down the gauntlet. Yeah. I'm going to say that I don't like The Last of Us 2, which everyone says is. So yeah. my opinion is probably bias. I think. No, I get you. I think with this, what really impressed me was how well it used the, the non choice based storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like, there's quite a few, like, smash cuts where a character will say something, Alex will decide. And then there's no set, it's just like in a sitcom where you say a line. And then a funny thing happens in a new scene. Yeah. Really good at the pacing of that. Mm. Um, the actual story of like Gabe and, and everything probably isn't a, a masterpiece on the level of, I don't know, it doesn't have as much complexity to it as Red Dead Redemption 2. No. But I think the way it tells its story in such a confined space and the way it uses the techniques of being a game and being a narrative journey is incredibly clever. Probably cleverer than any game I've seen hmm. to use the kind of choice-based tropes in that way. There's there's one particular sequence which uses, like as Stacey said, like it it paces things remarkably well, and it it does this really well with the way it, with the the shot composition and the way it transitions between scenes. There's there's one sequence. I won't say when it is in the game or like who it involves because that's a bit of a spoiler. But Alex is sitting on a rooftop and. She starts voicing dialogue to someone and then she turns and then the game does something really effective there that felt like like a genuine gut punch. It's like it it, it gives you feelings, I guess is the best way to describe <laughs> it. But yeah, like the the underlying storyline isn't like immaculate or anything. I think it's mm-hmm. the way in which it makes you engage with that storyline and makes you love the characters, which is what makes it really special. And the best one so far, yeah. As as a game, objectively, yes. I think if mm-hmm. I was asked to rank them, I would still put the first one at the top, just because I feel I have to, because of how much that game meant to me. Mm. Yeah, I've, I'm on a similar boat. Yeah, that, this is fantastic. Like This is an easy candidate for my game of the year now. Excellent. Okay, we have three more games. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Stacy, let's do your game. What did you review this week? Um, I reviewed the Artful Escape. Cue the guitar solo. <laughs> Here, you on? Uh... Oh no, this is sad music. It's the guitar solo. <laughs> oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Here. This is... Yeah, boy. 
That's so good. Yes. Okay, Artful Escape is a video game, and I that's literally everything I know about it. Cool. Um, so the, the Artful Escape, it's uh, Annapurna. It's a good Annapurna. Okay. Um, you play as Francis Vendetti, um, who is the grand no not grandson, the nephew of a f- legendary folk musician Jonathan Vendetti, who is Bob Dylan. Right, he's, okay. he's Bob Dylan. Um and you are very good at playing the guitar, but everyone wants you to be Bob Dylan, Jonathan Vendetti. You know, it's the twentieth anniversary of his like big album and he's he's dead now, so you're gonna do a show as him in his town. Basically, your entire life is going to be a tribute act to this guy you've never met. Okay. Um, and you actually love music, but you are not Bob Dylan. You are Jimi Hendrix. You play completely different music, much more colourful, much more rock and roll, much more um, electric. Uh-huh. Um, and then in the middle of the night, some aliens abduct you and okay. take you beyond the moon where you can be all... The Jimi Hendrix that you want. <laughs> you play with aliens and Carl Weathers is there. And Okay. <laughs> this is a it's, great sell. Yeah. It's a brilliant game. It's really cool. Um I actually spoke to the director about it as well. That interview will be live on the site with a review. Um but it's kind of a platform in terms of how it actually plays. You play various levels where you go across it's like a two D side scrolling plat- uh, platformer. Mm-hmm. relatively simple um, and you jump from platform to platform as platforms work and as you jump if you hold down X you'll play a big guitar solo um, and if you push different buttons you'll do like knee slides and extra jumps with a guitar and stuff like that um, and then once you reach the end of the level you meet an alien who will basically say let's jam <laughs> and then um, do do you guys have the game Simon in America, like the yes. little plastic yes. toy? Yeah. So it's basically Simon. There's the two shoulder buttons, um, and then the top three face buttons all light up in different combinations. And you just need to match what the alien plays. And as you match it, various different guitar solos will start. And you do that, you platform by you go and chat with Carl Wellers on your little ship. And he sends you off another mission, and so on, so on, so on. The gameplay is relatively simple. What is brilliant about it is how it uses music and how it uses the, like, characterization and journey of Francis Vendetti. Because mm. he doesn't become a better guitar player. He's brilliant at the start. You don't like any moves. He doesn't get any better. He's a fantastic guitar player at the start of the game. But he's obsessed with the idea that he needs to be for the sake of his town, for the sake of his family, for the sake of his legacy, he needs to be Johnson Vendetti. He needs to be Bob Dylan. And he kind of learns as he goes through that he's not Bob Dylan. He doesn't have to be. Mm. Wow. What a weird uh, mashup of ideas. I, I, safe to say that's not really like anything else, huh? No. No. The, um, the director of the game used to be in an Australian rock band. So okay. I think there's a lot of stuff comes in from that where it's like his his journey as a musician, but what if it was in space? Mm. Um, what's really interesting, I'm not like an expert in music, so I'm probably saying this slightly wrong, but basically the the music in the background and the music that you play by holding down X is all in the same, I want to say the same key. key? Okay. So 
you push X any time throughout the game, not not in a cutscene, but any other time you push X, and you'll just start playing a guitar solo that's all been recorded by, you know, the director or some of his old bandmates because he is a uh. musician, um, and it matches up perfectly with what's going on in the background. Because they're in the same key, if everything flows in, so it's not deliberately designed. It's not like oh, if you push X at this point, you'll play this exact note. Yeah, it's that this, it's basically a guitar solo and a melody. And they've been written so that they fit with each other no matter when you when in the melody you pick up the solo. Is it we'll like, feel like it fits? Is it like the end of It Takes Two when May can sing and whenever you press the button to sing, it sort of just kind of fits in with the music? It's it's kind of like that. Um I think what the difference with that is May's saying kind of repeats on a loop after a while, whereas this I stood for a while and held down X for like a couple of minutes, and I wasn't conscious of it repeating. I think there's a really oh, wow. long guitar solo that someone has recorded. Um, I didn't really notice it going like, oh, that's the end of this ten second clip. Let's loop it around, and it, it's it's different. No, it's like a guitar solo. Cool. Uh, and visually, how is it? Um. So it's all 2D with like the weird shading um and lighting in the front so it like pops out so it's like a almost like a kind of um those little paper books you have as a kid where like the, the carrot like moves along on a little paper stick underneath and the yeah. background is like painted. Um or an old, old Disney movie where the background has been hand painted and the front has been penciled on acetate. Okay. Um it looks like you know when you're at school and you're like in the library and you're just like messing about, like picking up books, and you found a book from like 1970 that no one had read that was written by some guy called like Albert Q. Einstein the <laughs> Third, and it was the marvelous adventures of Billy Magician and his flying teacup, and then the front cover was just this weird picture of nothing. Sure, That's yeah. what this game is like. Okay. I feel like that's not universal. I feel like I described that quite well. You know what I mean? Those weird, like, sci-fi. No, I books. think so. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I've never read a book before, but yeah, I can picture it. <laughs> I've played a game, never read a book. What are they? Uh, that sounds like something really special that uh, nobody is going to play. I agree. I think the Annapurna thing gives it a chance. The Game Pass thing gives it a chance on Game Pass. Ooh, it's on I Game tweeted Pass. out, um, and I will hold everyone on the podcast this, but I tweeted out a week ago that I was playing a game that was going to be one of my games of the year, and that if people didn't play it, I was going to punch them in the groin. <laughs> um, I would like to reiterate that threat to all of our listeners, that I will find you and groin punch you if you don't at least give this game a chance. So on Game Pass, it's Annapurna. It's like one of the old Sci-fi books that you found in the library. I think I pitched it pretty well. I think so too. I think uh, I think I'm gonna help you on this crusade to punch everybody in the groin who doesn't play this game. <laughs> you know, you have no excuse. Uh, we will find you, and you will suffer. <laughs> uh, okay, sounds very cool. Jade, you have another review. Oh, I do. I've been busy today. Yes, yes. Your other review is the newest WarioWare. What's it called? Get it together, Aaron. Get it together, everybody. <laughs> uh, okay, so I guess let me just right off the bat ask the question that everybody's been wondering. 
is this the warrior game where Wario hangs Dong? Maybe you, you can customize the characters, so maybe you can like give them a good Dong. <laughs> I might not. Have, I might not have gotten that far, but okay. You think we'll leave that would, as though. a maybe. Uh, have you played a lot of WarioWare's before this one? I have. Um, that made it sound like a lie, but yes, I have. It did. I, I, I played WarioWare Touched on the DS and yes. Smooth Moves on the Wii. Did you play and Twisted? I didn't know. Actually, I don't think I did. So you're not really a warrior. I'm not an expert. I'm, I'm going to take my review now. Okay, so <laughs> how, how does this one compare to the ones you've played before? I think... A lot of people were hoping that WarioWare would experience a return to form of sorts because Game and Wario on the Wii U was very much an un- it, it featured the same characters and aesthetic, but it wasn't the micro games that people right. love. And then WarioWare Gold on the 3DS was that, but it was very much a compilation of old games. Yeah, kind this of a feels best like of. a concrete new entry for WarioWare. In terms of like it has all of the returning characters and they each have their own individual stages with unique micro games within them but but also the campaign you could finish it in one sitting so it's it's almost like depressingly short like the journey is wonderful but it's over very quickly which is which is a big shame for this being the first traditional warrior wearing mm-hmm. a long time and like don't get me wrong like i did i gave it uh, seven out of ten, or three point five out of five on, on in my review, mm-hmm. and it's it's worth checking out. But like the the package as a whole, I would define as disappointing. I think that's that's interesting because I think like when we played WarioWare as kids, or at least for me, uh, it was in a lot of short bursts. It was the yeah. car ride to school. Or, you know, it was a few minutes here and there, and it's perfect for that. But my the way I play games has evolved uh, mm. over the years. And it seems to me like like a new WarioWare should have been a meatier experience than just more of the old. And it sounds like yeah, it wasn't. Cause... It sounds like it's a pretty, it's still a pretty, like, simple, basic, short, bite-sized thing. Because like the get it together in the title very much refers to a greater focus on cooperative play. Like mm-hmm. the campaign can be played with a friend because all of the characters in the past games, which very much were almost like just had stages themed around them, all of them are now playable and they have their own. I wouldn't say they all play uniquely, but they almost fit into subsets of characters. Like some people can shoot projectiles. Some people can jump, some people can damage enemies, and they're all used in distinct mini games. So the game mm. very much tries to get some like leverage out of that idea by going, Oh, there's lots of these different characters you can play as and you can customize, but the sense of progression beyond completing the campaign feels rather surface level. It's all you're earning this currency by completing missions that can be spent on cosmetics and unlockables that I suppose don't really mean anything, but you're going to get a lot more out of that if you're playing with someone, because once you finish the campaign, you un- you can unlock a bunch of, I suppose you call them like bespoke multiplayer modes, like volleyball or completing certain micro games and certain ways to earn high scores or to beat opponents. So as a solo experience, it feels quite lightweight, but 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe kids jumping into this as their first warrior where we'll get more out of it. Mm. Uh, is it just two player multiplayer? It's one to four, I think. Okay. And does it do anything to leverage Switch hardware? Um, I played it with the Pro Controller, so okay. No, so no touchscreen stuff or gyro or uh, no, IR not like it's okay. It's very much like I don't know, maybe, but it, it very much felt like a, a traditional platformer. Like it, it has a lot of platforming blood in its veins in that sense. Like you're mm. always moving around stages. You're not doing button prompts to execute the mini game. You're very much interacting with the environment in real time. Is there um, like gross stuff, like potty humor stuff? Oh, absolutely. There's a, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's some like past games in the series. There's a few like illustrations or mini games where you're like, oh, this is a bit like grim, like putting your fingers up people's noses or shaving people's armpits. Or there's there's a mini game where like a warrior is just being rained on by a bunch of purple pieces of shit. Nice. It's like, yeah, okay, warrior. He's a he, he's a filthy little man. <laughs> really putting his kink on full display. <laughs> but, yeah. Nasty man. yeah, it's pretty much it. It's like, oh, okay. I see what you're doing. Like, whoever's making these games, they're so charming. Those yeah. disgusting little puzzle uh, party games. Okay. It's a, yeah, like maybe wait for a price drop, or if you're like. Yeah, it doesn't you know, sound like a $60 entry to me. I think it's retails for £40 in the UK, so that might be oh, like $50. Okay. So it's not gotcha. like a full-price thing, but Nintendo games rarely drop in price, so it's kind of hard to tell. But yeah, like I, I enjoyed it, but I'm not sure if I if I remove myself from the context of reviewing it for work, I'm not sure I'd be willing to pick it up for that price. Yeah. I think I'll mess around with it eventually, but... Uh... yeah. Not gonna, not gonna run out. Be first in line for new warrior wear. Give me, give me warriors <laughs> kinks. Like that's what you need. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, we've made it to the final game, and this is a game I reviewed. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Um, Lost in Random, and Stacy played it too, so I don't have to yeah, just talk to myself. Very busy podcast for me this week. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Anybody here a Tim Burton fan? Uh, I love Mars Attacks. That might be the huh? least Tim Burton. Tim Burton <laughs> <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas. I think that's there you go. Yeah, I'm I... talking about Disney goths. Like he's been garbage for about twenty years, right? Like yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about like a like an old tree that reaches out and grabs you. Oh, like proper like Jack Skeleton shit. Yeah, like a. A black and white snake that's got a spiral, Ooh. a spiral pattern. <laughs> Coraline, that's, yeah, Coraline. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, that's lost and random, and I think, and I think that they were smart because that's probably enough of a sell for a lot of people. Yeah, like if I just mm-hmm. stopped right there and I was like, "What if Tim Burton made a video game?" and then go buy it, and I think, I think that's enough. Uh, but it, it's a lot more than that, too. Um, so Lost in Random is uh, in a world called Random. And this was a world that was once uh, full of magic 
and everything is very game-themed, cards, dice, board games. Um, but there's an evil queen, and there was a big war, and in that war, all magic was lost from the world, and all of the magical dice, these like anthropomorphized dice people, uh, were killed off. Um, so this game takes place... Uh, at some point long after that war, when the world has been separated into six different districts, uh, kind of hunger games style. So you've got your, your poor districts, your like urban districts. And, um, then you've got like the Queens world or whatever it's called Sixtopia, And it's like this legendary place that's supposed to be, you know, where all the rich, fancy people are, where people actually have fun because everybody else in the world is miserable. Um, the game is about uh, two sisters named Even and Odd. And at the beginning of the game, Odd is kidnapped by the queen and taken to Sixtopia to be groomed. Uh, and Even goes on a quest to rescue her. Um, it's a third-person action-adventure deal. But uh, aside from the strong Tim Burton aesthetic, the thing that really sets this one apart is this really wacky combat system. So even finds one of these dice people. She names him Dicey. Uh, she's a very clever girl. And <laughs> uh, okay, let me just lay this out because it's it's kind of it's pretty hard to wrap your mind around how this works. Basically, uh, you. You get you go into bespoke combat encounters where like walls come up, you're in an arena, and there's enemies. They're like the queen's robots, right? You can't hurt them. You have no weapons. Um, all you can do is fire a slingshot at them and try to break off crystals that are growing on the robots. So there's like blue crystals that you can shoot at and break them off. When you shoot these crystals, they fall on the ground, and Dicey will run over to them and suck up all the crystals. This crystal is called card energy. And once you've absorbed enough of these crystals, you start drawing cards from a deck. And those cards represent your abilities. So once you've drawn some cards, you can draw up to five. You, you can then throw dicey and time stops. And while time is stopped, you can look through your cards and choose which ones to play. Whatever number dicey lands on is how many points you have to spend on your cards. So your cards will be things like different weapons, like swords and hammers, bows and arrows. Uh, they can also be traps, like uh, something that sucks everybody in or something that explodes and, and breaks all the crystals off everybody so you can get more energy. There's bombs, there's cannons. Uh, there's quite a few different things. Some of them are just buffs. So... They'll let you, um, you know, dash through enemies to hurt them, or they'll let you shoot the crystals to hurt them. Like the slingshot act will actually hurt them now. And then a lot of the cards just like affect your hand. So it'll be like um, all your cards cost less now, or you have more points to spend, like your dice rolls are better or whatever. So time stops. You use whatever card you want to get weapons and buff yourself. And if you have traps, you can kind of like move around and lay them around the arena while time is stopped. So you can like put a trap down here, put a cannon down here. It's going to shoot that way. And you can set up these sort of like mouse trap style domino effect situations so that when time starts, all of these interactions 
happen and you can like damage enemies and then you can like run up to them and swing your sword and stuff. So that's, that's the like hook of the game is that like all your combat encounters go like that. And then at the end you get a new card or you get, you know, money to spend to go buy a new card and you build out your deck as you progress through the game. Um, yeah. So there's a, there's a lot more to it than that, but I think that's sort of like, the big hook. And I was wondering, Stacy, if that, it, that grabbed me pretty early on and carried me for a lot of the game. But were you as, uh, were you as intrigued by that system? I think what's interesting is you like kind of card and and strategy games and et cetera, et cetera. And I, uh, don't like them as much. And yet Mm -hmm. I still felt, um, I still felt very compelled by the idea not necessarily of like the fact that it was dice and cards and things felt very much um an aesthetic thing to me but the idea of pausing the fight and now i have a massive stone hand that slaps you in the face yeah stuff like that um is just more enjoyable than he has a sword go sword people um but then kind of as it went on <laughs> You you unlock a lot of the cards very quickly, and then when you realize once you've unlocked the first few that the next ones are like similar. Yeah, the 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 future updates are the same. They just oh, it's not a sword anymore; it's a hammer. And like, yeah, it does right. more damage, and it's different, but it's not really a different idea. Yeah, that that is my big problem with the game is that you get all these cool cards. They're interesting. They work together in interesting ways. And then the cards you get after that are just like upgraded versions of those cards. And then eventually you get no more cards about halfway through the game. You get no more cards. So Mm -hmm. like the, the bomb is really cool. You can like strategically decide where to put it down and then you can trigger it with your slingshot. So you can like set it up as a trap and then bait someone into it. But then after bomb is, here's three bomb and it's like there's so many there's so many other things that they could do like the possibilities feel infinite but they just they just do the most basic things with it yeah even the ones that like are inventive are kind of versions of the same thing like i have this thing that comes in the arena and like there's the the dice that kind of bounces around it and attacks everyone Mm -hmm. or there's the stone hand that moves and attacks everyone Oh, there's the ghost that moves and attacks everyone. Yeah. Like it's just kind of the same thing after a while, um, and it makes deck building quite annoying because I don't really care much about deck building games, so I wouldn't was never going to think of it in that much depth. But I really just kind of went. This one gives me more points. I'll take a health potion because I might need one, and then like a couple of very very similar attacks because who cares? Yeah. Yeah, it it really feels like something that had way a way higher potential than what it reached. Hmm. Um, the other sort of, I I guess the other the other big pull in the game is this like Tim Burton stuff, uh, because it it's not just like Tim Burton esque; it's like full blown Tim Burton movie. It's like yeah. I, it's not you wouldn't even say like inspired by Tim Burton. You'd be like, oh, did Tim Burton make this? 
Like it really goes, <laughs> it really goes all the way. Um, and to that end, there's some really cool characters and there's some like really interesting story. A lot of the like quests that you go on, like, so, so you're working your way through these six different districts on your way to Sixtopia. So you start in one croft and then you go to two town and then three done. You see where this is going. And in all the districts, they have their own little storylines and you got to help the people of that town fix whatever problems they're dealing with. Um, and a lot of them are, are pretty fascinating. There's like some pretty cool and interesting things going on. And a lot of the quests that you do are, are, are kind of esoteric. Like one, one of the side quests is that you have to, um, find a new word to describe the moon and bring it to someone. <laughs> so, so that kind of stuff helps a lot with the sort of like monotony of, uh, of gathering quest items because at least yeah, it has like a thing. good flavor they're weird but like one quest is to go and find a way to describe the moon but every quest is to go and find a thing that does a thing yeah all they are yes find me a ghost story about a duck <laughs> um, okay <laughs> sure sick right yeah so the charm wears off pretty quick but at least for the first few hours, it's strong. And I, I wrote about this in, in a lot of detail in the review, uh, which we'll link in the description. But when you leave uh, Evan's home, hometown, Onecroft, and you go to Two Town, it's got a really cool story. Everyone in Two Town has two personalities. And for some reason that you discover, those personalities you're are splitting into two separate physical bodies. So at, at the start, there's some people that are like, like the mayor from Halloween town who has a face on either side of his head, but then other people are actually literally splitting off into two different people. So to fix this problem, they're building a second town on top of two town, like upside down, like inception. And the mayor is like, a thousand feet tall and he's um he's working on building the second town but his second personality is growing upside down out of his hat and his second personality is this like ghoulish ghost man called uh rayam which is just mayor backwards and he's obsessed with speaking and rhyming couplets but he can never think of the second <laughs> word he can't th ever think of the rhyme so yeah so like i know this all sounds like nonsense but it's it's really strong it's it's very unique and interesting like i i've never seen this storyline these types of characters like it, it's pretty inventive stuff it's just that the whole game isn't like that unfortunately yeah, I think that's that's the problem. My main problem with it is, one, Two Town has the best story, and if you open with the best story, I'm going to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think also every single character you meet thinks they're the funniest character in the game. Yes, um, and that kind of gets old. Yeah, like in the third town, there's the um, like there's three different siblings who each rule a, a third of the kingdom, and like that's a good idea, but they're all just like such weirdos. Like yeah, and to to the point where they've clearly gone. We need three really wacky characters, and they come. Oh, what if there was a guy who was really scared? 
yeah, okay, <laughs> keep pitching. Like, no, that's the pitch. Let's just make that as weird as we can. That's like, the, yeah. That's let's the... take our first idea and make it as weird as possible. What if there's a guy who likes cake? And and that's it. <laughs> likes cake. Jay, what are you saying? That's like, from listening to this conversation, that does it feel like the wacky, like, Burton aesthetic is almost like overbearing sometimes. Well, that's the thing. That, that's true of Tim Burton's stuff too. Yeah. Like, mm. it, it's authentically Tim Burton, including all of the flaws. <laughs> like, it's abrasive. It's like, oh, okay. Like, it's this sure is Tim Burton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so fascinating. Um, yeah. The other, like, character story thing I wanted to point out which has really been stuck in my head is that uh, as Stacy mentioned in Freedom the story is that there's these three royal siblings that are in a civil war ever since their mm. father the king was assassinated and at the as soon as you get there you learn that that's the first thing you you learn is that they the these three siblings all have these giant mechs that battle each other and there's this civil this never ending civil war happening in Freedom the second thing you learn is that there's a boogeyman taking children and you meet <laughs> the boogeyman. His name's the shadow man. And he wants your, <laughs> he wants I'm your sorry. help to end the war because ever since the war started, people are so afraid of like the war and their like daily lives that they don't have the capacity to be afraid of what goes bump in the night. So he needs the war to end. So people will be scared of him again. I, I just thought that was, like, so clever. And the game has a lot of really high points like that. It just has a lot of really annoying shit. And like, mm. <laughs> it just gets, it just falls off a cliff. Like, pretty much at, right after 3 Dumb, nothing else intrigued me. Stacey, did you find anything interesting about 4, 5, and 6 at all? Um, I thought the premise of four was more interesting than not more interesting than three. Cause three did have the massive mechs, but the mechs were rarely used. Yeah. Like, um, cause four is basically like a casino and the guy in the casino always rolls a four and your dice only is up to three. So everyone loses that. I thought playing with the casino aspect of the dice would have been interesting, but I didn't think the game leaned on that hard enough. It went kind of, he has a casino now what you must do is find me this ghost or about a duck and I'll let you inside. And yeah. I really just want to do the casino bit, though. I really just want to do this really interesting thing and not wander around another town talking to more weird Tim Burton people. I just yeah. want to do the game, really, at this point. It, the, the, the whole game kind of has this obsession with, well, games and and the like the history of games and the idea of games and also like parts of speech like words themselves and those ideas don't really work together at all no. and they also kind of just get abandoned to towards the the second half of the game um so i don't know i don't usually make this recommendation but play the first half of this game <laughs> and then stop <laughs> <laughs> I know that's like deeply unsatisfying for a lot of people. I'm pretty used to starting games and then not finishing them. Like it doesn't bother me anymore because <laughs> I think there's something liberating about that too. Game journalists never finish games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
but I think there's. I've played like... any of these games. I'm I'm just on the Wikipedia. I've not played any of these games. I've never played like the streams. Not a Reading one someone else's review, like in real time. <laughs> I just the ideas, the idea of this. I'm in love with the idea of this game. You know? Yeah, but conceptually, it sounds really fascinating. But even yeah, hearing but... you talk about it, I'm like, yeah, this seems like it would it would rub off on me in the wrong way long enough, or I'd want to stop. Yes. Yeah. The, the comet is so interesting. The world is so interesting. There's really good storytelling stuff, but it just cannot carry a, a whole game, a whole ass game. So, um, and it's not on game pass, which, Oh, okay. You know, EA you play? automatically deduct a point for any game. That's not on game pass. Yeah. That's how it works. <laughs> That's the point with EA Play. It is an EA game. It's an EA Indian. It might be on EA Play at some point, which would mean it would come to Game Pass. Yeah, give it about six months. Game Pass would be the advice. Wait for Game Pass and play the first half. This is a Game Pass game. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying that ironically because what game isn't? What score did you give it? I gave it a three and a half. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Because I was very much smitten by it until I wasn't. So yeah, um, okay. Five reviews in the bag. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah, uh, all of those. Uh, the written version of those reviews will be linked in the description. And uh, that's it. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you can take a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, that would help us a lot. We'll be back next week with Death Loop. And much, much more. We'll see you then.